0: Welcome to Liberty's Live. I'm Jamie.
1: And I'm Nancy. And And we we are
0: are the globalist's worst nightmare.
1: We're homeschooling Christian mothers, and we are doing our part to build the kingdom of God on the earth by bringing liberty and responsibility home.
0: We're so glad you're here. Good morning, Nancy. And welcome to our podcast, Liberty's Live. We're so excited today. We have the best topic. So we had a question come up after our last podcast. We were asked how we incorporate principles of liberty in a home education setting. And this is something we're super passionate about.
1: Yeah, I think it's maybe even one of the reasons why we home educate because we care about liberty <laughs> we we don't want to we experience public education where every minute of every day for 12 years was programmed by somebody else with somebody else's intentions and ideas about how we should spend those hours and then that extended even into the hours after school where we if we wanted to succeed had to do the homework that was assigned which is just another way to you know ext- the school extended their influence even beyond the school hours into home life into weekends um even sleep i there were lots of times i didn't sleep because there was projects that had to get done
0: <laughs> oh yeah got to get the a got to do all the things um right. and you don't see it as a tyrannical system when you're in it like that's just what everybody does you know like that's how we live um i think if you are new to this concept of public schooling being a tyranny and you want to see it for what it is i think some of the best work that you can read is by john taylor gatto who was a public school teacher in new york for 30 years he even won the new york state teacher of the year award super prestigious award and he has written so many books about the problems with public schooling and the model that really is just about raising people who are subservient to arbitrary authority and they work for the man so to speak but he does it in a way that's so compelling he shows you how the things that we think our children are learning in public school are not the things that they're learning there there are other aims in the way that the system is structured that that create a certain outcome and, and you can see the fruit of this in society now everybody just bows down to whatever the random thing that they're asked to do hey suffocate yourself with a mask okay i'll do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) right well and because the um alfie khan talks about this too and he's got a book called punished by rewards and he talks about how you know sort of reward systems bypass our innate desires They bypass our ability to become a person who can be, be fulfilled by innate motivation, by, by the thing itself. Um, and so instead we, and, and he, he looks at like businesses who implement reward systems, they don't get as good of output as businesses that don't have these arbitrary award systems. And he compares that to education too. And he says, this is basically behaviorism. And he goes back to the roots of behaviorism with, uh, was Andrew Skinner and yeah. Skinner looked or, yeah, Skinner. at what Leonard. Is <laughs> Leonard. <Not> Leonard Skinner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was Skinner, Skinner. And he did the, the tests on the, um, yeah, he, he was the foundational guy who started all of that.
1: Yeah. And behaviorism is like, is dog training it's you know blow a whistle give a sticker um you know and alfie Khan talks about this he's like oh but the the," he says he tries to explode like expose this idea to educators and they are so used to the idea of giving out a sticker as a reward for a thing that you did little gold star that they you know they would say to him oh but it's their sticker they earned it And, and he like, they've just so bought into this rewards and punishments model by which they seek to control people that they don't even see it for what it is because they also are under a system of rewards and punishments. And that's what the whole no child left behind thing ended up being right. Was let's reward the teachers that have the, and it's judging everything by outcomes that are measurable. by By their
0: preconceived outcomes yes yes and you know it's not something necessarily wrong with utilizing rewards and punishments i would be hard-pressed to find a parent who doesn't utilize that in some form or fashion like okay if we can get to this place you know like this will be the thing but it doesn't make sense when they're totally separated from an outcome where the children is actually invested and that it's connected to the actual thing. We'll be like, hey, I'll give you candy if you're nice to your sibling. It's like, how does that have anything to do with this thing, right? We want to improve the relationship between the kids. We wanna help them navigate this difficult thing. Giving candy is an outside reward that's totally unrelated. <laughs> right? It has nothing to do with that. I, I will sit you in front of a TV. You can watch a show. If you sit here and do this this worksheet, it's like, no, my goal is to help my child build these skills and be competent. Sitting in front of a TV as a reward undermines that because I know it harms their brains and it. And I get to pay for it later when they're all psycho from staring at a screen, you know? Cranky, cranky.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, so let's, let's look at this a little more when we, I think there's, there's a sense in which we desire, we, we like the system of rewards versus punishments because we feel like, oh, well, this is consequences. Yeah. Consequences are a real thing. Consequences are a natural thing um you know there's if then there's cause and effect those things are real that's that is normal that is reality and there's the law of the harvest you can't reap what you don't sow you can't you can't reap more if you don't prune properly you can't um you know have a good yield if you don't so yeah there are if then statements that make sense but not if you do this arbitrary thing that won't actually lead to you loving and taking responsibility for your own education then i will reward you with something of that is you know what is going to turn into garbage on the floor a sticker a pencil um right you know and like those things can be fun well let's not let's not be fun suckers those things can be totally fun like if i know that i'm gonna I don't know, earn some money by doing doing some good work. That is a good feeling, being like, okay, yeah. And then, you know, kind of looking forward to what you're gonna do with it. That is exciting. And but that's the maybe a little more, nobody's holding that over my head and threatening to remove it if I don't comply with their wishes.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So I mean, there's definitely a balance, especially when you're looking at a home setting. I've been I've thought a lot about. Um, there, you know, the family is kind of a unique application of individual human rights um, because it involves multiple people. Hold on just one second, Nancy. <laughs> okay. um, so um, it is a unique application of, of human rights because we have not just individuals, we have people, and we have children who are still developing in their brains, they, they can't take care of themselves. <laughs> so, so that's kind of an exception to the rule in a way. And I think it, it, the, the system in a family, ideally in, you know, promoting Liberty will, um, allow an increase in freedom as the child grows in their responsibility to be able to meet that, um, and, and more choice as well. Well, and I also
1: think that it involves, um, recognizing what you as a parent do and do not have control over. I don't get, I don't have control over my child's, um, thoughts or emotions or attitude. I can have influence, but not control. And if you want to be a miserable parent, you go ahead and try and control your kid's emotions.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Does that just, I mean, that is just not fun. It's not fun because it's impossible. And then, um, yeah, like you can, you can have compassion for their emotions. You can have understanding, you can have, you can ignore their emotions. Like there's lots of responses you can take towards your kids emotions or, uh, you know, attitude, but trying to control it. I mean, my, they, I I tell my kids this kind of conversation quite frequently. They're like, ah, but I, this and that, uh, I was like, look, if, if I could control your emotions right now, I wouldn't be picking this. So please don't look to me as the person who's going to control your experience. Like you are controlling that experience for yourself right now. I would love to help you out of your tizzy or whatever, you know, but, (laughs) but I'm all, you know, so, so I think rewards and punishments are sometimes this, like quick fix feeling like we feel like if we if we can quickly just stop this emotion thing from happening that they're that they're experiencing or then we will we won't have to deal with it and if right because we're afraid of
0: our own emotions that come up when our kids have a tantrum it's like i don't know how to handle it like this is too much for me that's really what's going on inside
1: well and i mean i i got to learn a lot about you know rewards versus punishments uh threats versus bribes um, my, I have a child who is not influenceable through rewards or punishments. Right. And that's part of some neurological issues. And she's, you know, doing a lot of healing. I have all girls. So all of them are all their identities are protected by saying she, <laughs> um, she does not like in the middle of an intense experience for her, there is no reward that would would induce her out of that. There is right. no punishment that would correct that. So I had to learn other things. I yeah. had to learn something besides punishment and reward <laughs> because it didn't work at all. And so, you know, people for whom that works, people for whom their kids are easily um, like amenable to, Oh yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's the thing I'd like, you know, Hey, good job. You know, like that, that can be a a tool that you're, you're excited about using, but what we're trying to point out is that ultimately we all have, like, if, if, if you don't learn the principle behind the thing that you are trying to accomplish, you know, if, if you're not intrinsically motivated, then it won't, there will come a time when it won't matter what the punishment or the reward is. Because you you will kind of become what your desires have put out, and grown, you know. So I want to help my kids want to get to get an education that will allow them to serve other people and to progress in their life and to be um, happy and joyful. And that's not something that I do to them; it's something that I invite them to.
0: Right. So let's talk a a little bit about ways that we're able to invite our children to want something like that. I think it's kind of like if you have donuts out on the table all the time and then a pile of uh, broccoli and veg chopped up, you know, what are your kids going to choose? They're going to choose the donuts. (laughs) So I think one of the biggest ways that we can entice our children and help them see the goodness of what they could have instead comes down to creating an environment where they're they don't have access to the donuts for their educational pursuits um, they have more nourishing choices available to them i think that's huge yes the environment
1: is massive as well as example like we charlotte mason talks about this like what are the things that are under your control and she even warns about the the danger of personality being more you know like and that's something I had to like consider and and, and look at because I'm like, oh well, isn't that an environment? And and she's like, no, you don't want to be the kind of school master, and she talks, you know, this 18 1800s school school lady language. Um, you don't want to be the kind of schoolmaster that your children, your students will do whatever you ask them to do simply because they're so enamored with you. Like uh-huh. because when you're not the teacher anymore what's the motivation um or or because that could potentially be a, a source of emotional manipulation she doesn't put it in those terms but that's i think where where that is so like we don't want to emotionally manipulate our children that's a different thing than creating an environment and showing an example and the and, so you've mentioned headgates what does that mean um,
0: so there's an article written i can't remember who wrote it do you know who wrote it nancy
1: um, yeah, I said, "What does that mean?" As an invitation for you to discuss it, I totally know what she means. Um, okay, <laughs> Headgates
0: so Head yeah. is by Carrie Tibbets. Oh no, I couldn't remember the name of. The, I can explain it, but I just couldn't remember. I wanted yeah. to give credit.
1: I just so, didn't want our readers, listeners, to like, think that I didn't know. Cause oh I yeah, I yeah wanted well, you to explain well, it.
0: People may know. <laughs> I do know the Headgates article. I just the Headgates. So, like, when you look out at a field, right? We live out in the country, and so when we drive around and we see these big old, you know. Uh, 20 acre lots, 30 acre lots, hundreds of acre lots with all these cows roaming around on them. You'll notice that there are these head gates and they are situated over the river or the streams that flow through the land. And when they close them, it forces the water to go out and irrigate the field so that you can have a green pasture. But if the head gates are lifted, all the water can just flow through freely and doesn't pass on. And so. The idea is that a headgate in our home can be dropping a headgate to be able to irrigate our pasture. It means that, like she gave lots of examples, but we can talk about some of those. Um, I think one of the biggest ones for sure is uh, screen time, especially uh, screen time without a purpose, where we're just sitting and having, um, digesting whatever is produced my my husband also he's also been anti what he likes to call vegas toys for a really long time <laughs> you know like you click a button and then it's like fireworks explosions all the things like nothing, like to do that he's like my kids need a car that i built with them myself and they will make the sounds for the car you know <laughs> and they will wood burn the wheels I'm like great that's awesome um so but there was a great article I read a while back about this woman who had a child with no toys it was like the boy with no toys I think toys can actually be a huge distraction to a a good education when when those things you know do the work for them in being entertained like we get this kind of dull mind where we're just oh yeah, this is easy. This is entertaining. This is, I don't have to try here. And that totally feeds into our subconscious brain's desire to not put any effort and to just be comfortable and totally placated. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so an education, you know, even the way we talk about the word education, when people think of an education, they may have this image come up of a public school where everyone's sitting in a desk and someone is giving them all the information that they need. And that's an education. It's like, no, an education is a vigorous pursuit that we strive to learn something. Like it involves our effort. It It's not even something that can be done to a person, right? This is not something that we get. We didn't steal this unless you stole the money to be able to fund your education, right? <laughs> but by force of law, that's, that's how we feel about um, the way that the education system the public education system is funded is that it's through theft but well and like we talk about this
1: just lost my train of thought oh mortimer adler i think is the one who wrote this essay he says it's an invitation to the pain of learning and um he just talks about how fun gets tiresome after a while fun gets Mm -hmm. old um, because it's essentially doesn't require th- anything of you. And we like growth. And so it's, it's kind of like that, that HeadGates article, the water will flow in the path of least resistance. Um, but if you put some resistance up, if you decide, no, I'm not going to let it flow simply downhill because it's easy. I'm going to decide to water what I want to grow. Um, then it's, you know, it's just like invites it invites growth and growth can be difficult. It can be uncomfortable. It, you know, it is easier to put on a show and go get something done. It's like, I turn my children's minds off when I turn on a screen for them. Right. And it's kind of creepy. Like I noticed this when I was a a nanny, when I, you know, as a young adult in college, I nannied for a while. And I remember really clearly the TV was on. And these little kids were, and I was letting them watch shows that their parents were fine with them watching, you know, the shows were on when I got there in the morning, TV is on, their eyes were glued to it. Even if they were eating a meal, they were also watching the TV and there was no interaction that I could have with them. The second I turn it off, they like blink and then look back at me. And then it was like, they could hear me again. And I'm like, wow, every one of their senses was completely turned off while this thing was on. So um, whatever
0: messaging was in there was going right, right deep into their little subconscious.
1: <laughs> yes, and and none of their immediate real surroundings mattered or gave them any input. So you know it's it's a drug. You gotta avoid it if you want to have you know. But but it's not so much like an in, you know we there's the one hand where Adler talks about invitation to the pain of learning. Are you ready to go do the work? But I think on the other hand, there's this idea of tantalizing and what is. Trying, trying to become the kind of family that recognizes what is the most beautiful, the most enticing, most lovely things to engage with. The most real, the most you know, like C.S. Lewis talks about things becoming more real, you know, as you get into heaven and farther into heaven. And at first, it hurts, but it is the most real thing. And we want to be where it's real. We don't want to live in the shadowlands of vagary and um, illusion. We want to live. In reality, and that means that we get, we want to live. So,
0: that was the great divorce, right? I think yes, when the great divorce. But also in
1: the last battle and things like that, where you know the the ultimate goal is to be with God, and where He is 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 real, where everything right. else was simply passing or or fleeting. So, so we have to like want that. The opposite
0: thing. of turning a true education is embodied, right? It, it is tuned in to all the senses. It is aware of all the emotions and thoughts and feelings of yourself and, and, and the space and those same things for other people. I mean, really, truly educated people are really good at understanding the different types of people and the ways that they operate and participate in life. And they're also very aware and sensitive to those things within themselves and they're able to manage that in the way and produce a result and relationships as a result of that you know and so like anything yeah, it's not a def- education is not the sum of the facts that you know right it's not just oh i have these skills you know that's kind of where i see people it's like oh i just have skills i you know can i just uh if i just learn how to make the money then you know all the things dreams come true and it's like well where is this the spirit of having money like yeah money can buy you lots of things for sure but it's not the same thing as having a rich life where you're in tune and aware of deeper truths you know well and are able to
1: serve more and uh make an impact and a difference and create something beautiful yeah it's two ideas it's marlene peterson talks about um wanting to understand the true purposes of education mm-hmm. and she says if you would ask 365 people what the purpose of education is you get 365 answers yeah said, you know is it career and college ready is that what you think that the purpose of an education is because that's what the federal government defines it or did in the last deck you know decade and a half career in college that, and- and-
0: have you heard about how i think it was washington state university and stanford probably others are following are requiring the covid vaccine for uh being able to go to college wow, wow. talk about talk about you know it's like okay well we don't need your debt <laughs> it's time for another system it's right. time to say One that you require, don't want your tyranny <laughs> yeah
1: require unnecessary requirements um Yeah. So is it, but she, she postulates that she wanted to know God's purpose of education. And she said she said it's to prepare children to live lives of maximum joy. And I think that contrast that with career and college ready is not the, the, you know, like there's more to us than, than our body. We don't just need food and drink and a place to sleep. We, we are created to live lives of joy and yes. um
0: which include both service and rest something that i had that i have worked on a lot in the last couple of years is deprogramming my need to feel like if i could produce more i was worth more you know that's a communist principle i know and that's a that's marxist totally- philosophy but we—that's exactly what we teach in public school, right? I get my grade, then I'm worthy, and um, and I do the work. And like people ask me to do stuff, you know, it's like, am I able to also just say no and to rest in that? Like, I think being able to be free means you have a will where you can say yes if you desire to say yes, and you can say no if you desire to say no. How many people know how to say no? Well, like we don't want to take that allowed, away from our children. Yeah, they and weren't abilities. allowed to say no. And, and there, there
1: is a sense of which we want to teach our children to disagree appropriately. And we've had conversations with our kids just in the last week of, can I just say, I want to disagree and not just say disagree appropriately. Like I'm not yelling at you. And I was like, okay, that's where I want to have the boundaries is let's treat each other with respect. But if you want to say, no, you can, you can disagree and we can have a conversation. Um, that takes a lot it takes a lot of, you know, like a a new way of looking at your kids. They are not objects to be acted upon. They're people who also get to choose. And sometimes they won't choose what you want them to choose. And Mm -hmm. as long as you are, you know, you're still in charge of the boundaries, you know, my kids don't have cell phones and never will. They have old, old dead phones that they can listen to audio books. They have a big backyard they can go play in they have fantastic library oh so many books so much art supplies like yeah i will dump money on a new art notebook because you carefully filled up that last one really trying to develop your skills with these watercolors like how fun i'm more than happy to go buy you another notebook um you know but that involves them being able to say no i don't want to do that thing right now and me being okay with it not being a message about how I'm failing as a parent to educate my children
0: <laughs> right no for sure and I, I want to definitely give credit to Nicolene Peck and her book Parenting a House United she teaches a really good way of building a family government and I think you know not everybody loves Nicolene's approach because she's pretty she's very consistent and very structured and organized and so depending on where you're at on that continuum of like like super classical versus maybe like an unschooling kind of parent on the spectrum. It can feel a little stifling, but I think the principles that she teaches are huge and it really comes down to like, okay, what is our family vision? What is our mission as a family and our goals for each child? And we talk with them about that. We have discussions, you know, in meetings and things like that. We like, we have an open discussion and we create a family system of governance where we Present the problems and we discuss solutions amongst ourselves. I mean, sometimes as a parent, depending on the age of your children, you'll need to come with some solutions to discuss with them and see what they, you know, present it to them so they can think about it. Because um, you are the parent, you're still the one leading. But um, when they know that, like, this is the way of the order and the, the laws of the land in our home, and we understand why then it makes all of the difference. And like the same things that I ask my children to do are things that I do in my own life every day. My kids are like, mom, well, do you do music? I'm like, yeah, I practice. I play the piano. I love to do that. Or I sing, you know, or dance or whatever. It's like, well, do you do science? Yeah, I do. Look, I'm studying this permaculture um, course or whatever. You know, my kids, like, I definitely make it relevant to them. I'm like, this is about We practice some skills. I have my own little system that I've developed over the years. Um, But um, as much as we can incorporate those things into projects that they're passionate about, that they're taking ownership of, they're like, Can this count? I'm like, Yeah, you did the things, you know, you did the observation. This was, this fills the requirement. We just want to have, you know, and I say requirement, it's not even required. Like if they don't do it, then they don't get the benefit of that, you know? But I I love how you
1: talked about like getting a sense of the vision. If we start with the vision, what is the ideal? What is the purpose? Understanding why? Then you can start to reach toward a mission. And this is a, a lecture that I got to learn and to teach from my leadership education mentoring institute class. And I got to teach these 14 to 16 year olds about V mask vision mission abilities skills and knowledge and public school starts on the other end of the spectrum it ignores the All world, knowledge it ignores the vision it ignores the individual unique child of God that's sitting in front of them that has a unique mission from God that has nothing to do with that person like the state did not give the, the you know does not grant permission to to live um so they start with the knowledge and the skills and the abilities and completely ignore the vision and the mission. Whereas if you start with, if you build the foundation on a vision of identity that is whole and that is unchangeable, your worth is unchangeable, whether you get A grades or F grades, hence the need for grades is moot. You don't longer need grades anymore because you either achieve what you set out to achieve or you didn't and it's okay to fail and it's okay to learn something from that Mm -hmm. um and you're it's all about just growth growth and and um reaching and striving and to strive to seek to find and not to yield i don't remember which poet that was but um well and you're talking
0: about like what is this biggest vision i i think that i want to emphasize too that there is no such thing as an education without moral underpinnings Because this definitely comes down to religion. Like when I think about what do I want for my children more than anything else, is I want them to know God for themselves and to know how God communicates with them and to be confident in being able to carry out the instruction God sends and to bring the desires of their heart to God and work with him. Like he's the mentor I ultimately want to connect them with the most. That's what I do as a mom. That's my agenda, right? And so I look at how do I do that in every aspect of what we decide to include and when when we are choosing an education that is godless that also sends a message when the 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 people that we're encouraging our children to trust through through rewards and punishments for an arbitrary authority to a bell that rings and and with hand raising and and spacing of desks and and so much of our behavior even i was just thinking about this morning i woke up and I was just snuggling with my sweet little baby this morning in bed. And it was just the most delightful thing because he's just a little ham. And then my other kids came into bed. So we're like snuggling up in the morning. Like, I don't need to wake up to an alarm, an arbitrary alarm that says, this is the time that you must be up and going and what you need to do. Like, I, I think that is torture. <laughs> I my life like that. So I don't, I wake up when I want to, you know? <laughs> Yes. Yes. And 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 how much of our our children? And it's not to say that there isn't a place for discipline and waking up early and stuff like that too. But oh,
1: yeah, because you sleep until ten every day, right, Jamie? No. Oh, every day. Wakes up at like four in the morning and gets working. <laughs> and she was up till ten the night before working. No. Yeah. No, you get the I, wrong I picture. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but I don't want my young children to have to do that. That's not the time for that until they're, they're ready to take on that responsibility for themselves because they feel the passion themselves to wake up to an alarm. And, you know, Lincoln, he's 10, my oldest, I guess I shouldn't say my kids' names, but whatever. Anyways, he's starting to be like, he's like, I want to wake up, you know, earlier. Cause I've got, I want to get things done by a certain time. I'm like, okay, Oh, okay. Like he's requesting that. Yeah, I've had
1: that, I've had that conversation too, you know, with, with my oldest, she's like, Oh, I just get all these ideas for all this stuff I want to do, but it doesn't come till like late at night. And I'm like, yeah, well, there are a few more hours in the day. You might be able to access if you stretch yourself in the morning. Yeah. Just go to bed at night, go to bed at night, write all that list down and then wake up in the morning and see what you can tackle in the wee hours before your little sisters are up.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, cause that's, that's been an interesting discussion. Like even the management of our time can become something, you know, I think that the management of our time is something that's so out of control because of a system that has detached our our natural will to it, you know? And rhythms so. and yeah. 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 Well, and, and the things change, right? Like from spring to summer fall and winter, the way that the sun is up at certain times, like we have different desires of when, how late to be up and when to be up with the sun and where the sun hits our windows. It's just, I don't know. There's something about living in a rhythm of time over the course of years and seasons, but even the rhythm of a day and the seasons of a life, like younger children have different needs than older children. So, Hello, and I'm seeing Lucy's, I mean, a sweet little girl is making her way, (laughs) Nancy's muting herself for a second. But um, the important thing is that with all of this, when you're considering how do I incorporate more liberty at home, if you're not sure how to do this, I think the first wonderful step is to start with trust in yourself and trust in your children. Um, A really good way to start is to have kind of a detox time or an unschooling time. Um, Peter O'Gray has a great book called Free to Learn that can help you grow in confidence that if you do nothing, (laughs) that's okay. Your kids will actually learn things. Close some head gates and then don't require anything. Say no to all the things that are except for what you actually, what actually sparks joy in you. Like it can be a a Mari Kondo, but like, do it according to your education. Like what are the things that are most important? It's like connecting with God, connecting with each other, learning in ways that we're excited and passionate about, like sit down and really get clear about, about that vision of what, and the most important things for you um, in and your family and your home and then let go of everything else and see what stands. Unless you are willing to say no to everything and all the structure and let it go for a while and observe, you're not gonna be able to learn. You know, and they talk about this kind of, there was a really great book I read that I think is so beautifully applicable to all aspects of life, but it's called um, uh, The One Straw Revolution by Masanobu Fukuoka, say that 10 times fast. (laughs) And um, he was a Japanese researcher in the 70s, and he was developing pesticides for for bugs that would infest plants and stuff. And he kind of had this little spiritual awakening where he's like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of this? This is weird. And he decided to go out and buy like hundreds of acres of land with this crazy huge orchard. And he decided to become a do nothing farmer. He's like, what if I did nothing? And in the process, he actually lost hundreds of of trees. (laughs) But he also learned a lot. He would observe how nature would come in. Like he'd see these plants starting to get infested by bugs. And, you know, that would be the place where he would want to spray something with poison before. But he's like, okay, I'm going to just do nothing and see what happens. And then he saw that tons of spiders would come in and the spiders would come and eat all the bugs that were infesting the plants and take care of the problem. And then next they would see that webs would be covering everything. All the plants is just like, you know, tufts of, of, of webs because of the spider population, taking care of the, the bugs that were eating the plants. And he would do nothing about that. And he'd wait, and then the wind would blow them away. And I just been, I love thinking about that and I've made that a priority in my home where something is stressful to me, where there's a battle ensuing that I don't like. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do nothing about this for a while. And I'm just going to observe what happens. And, um, and as I let go of the reins and allow myself to just observe, I learn what actually is important and what isn't so that I'm able to operate from a place of trust in knowing that things will take care of themselves instead of from a place of arbitrary, fill in the blank solution to this rando problem that, that somebody else said was a problem, but it's not actually a problem. So um, that's something that I love to do is to to say, well, what can we just let go here for a while, for a time, so we can get clear? like. Um, your children are built for learning. They're built for creativity. They're built to explore and, and to experience life. And when you close off the head gates to some things that um, are maybe not as nourishing, they will direct themselves in things that are um, more expansive to them. And, you know, I think a huge key component of being able to express this and demonstrate this for our children also is to do this ourselves as individuals to be willing to um put ourselves out there and and pursue an education for ourselves what sparks joy in your heart as a mother what what do you love to learn about like can your kids articulate the passions that you have as a um, well, and maybe there's not only mothers listening. I imagine that many of our listeners are mothers. Maybe there's fathers too, but, um, or people who aren't parents. I don't know who might find this podcast, but, um, my kids know about the passions that I'm pursuing and my bigger whys and my dreams and my visions. And I share those things with them. And they, so they're like, Oh Yeah, we're we're all working on our visions like we're all working on our projects and our dreams and our things and and we refer back to our core book right which is uh, The standard works. We have the scriptures. We have the Bible and the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. We read those things together as a family every single day to that kind of centers us um, in core beliefs. And then we orbit around that and everything is ties into that, you know, when people are like, I just want to separate why I don't understand why people would want to have, you know, religion and schooling together, it should be separated. It's like, it's not separate. Everything is one, everything is whole, like whatever you believe, and that's your core belief, I would hope that that your whole family program, you know. And, and program isn't even quite the right word, but like whatever you're doing, culture, the environment, the way you live, your lifestyle, that would be evident. Right. And that's, you know, Thomas Jefferson education is leadership education. And we, we use that too. And one of their key tenants is inspire, not require. And another one of them is you, not them. And I think a huge way you inspire is by doing it yourself. And then your kids are like, oh yeah, that's what mom does that's what dad does.
1: Well, and that's the, I, I talk to homeschoolers who are just kind of dipping their feet in it. And it feels weird because I know what that moment was like. I can remember that very vividly. And I really haven't been doing that this long, but long enough to know that if you want to be confident in explaining, Oh, oh I'll
0: I'll go back. okay. If you want to be confident I'm gonna finish Nancy's thought. We'll see if I can, can catch it. She's got to help one of her kids for a second. If you want to be confident in being able to explain something, then live it yourself, you know? Um, I think Nancy, she quoted that beautiful quote from Marlene Peterson about the purpose of education is to step into joy. Um, I think if you're just starting on this home education path, um, a lot of people want to ask questions about, well, like, how do I figure out the cur- curriculum for my children? How do I know what they need to know? And it's like, well, what brings you joy? What brings your child joy? Those are the things that you need to know. That's going to help you be guided more than anything else. And, um, and being able to let go what doesn't spark joy in you and and then know that whatever you do choose that requires more discipline. is like a a choice that you're fully accepting and and that you understand your why is behind it is huge. Um, Nancy is is off to take care of her kids. And so I'm going to just go ahead and wrap this up, but I just want to offer you this idea that if you're afraid and you're worrying about doing it wrong, know that Um, that you can't, like, you're number one responsible for the environment that that you provide for your children, but ultimately every single individual is responsible for their own education, including your children, and an education is broader than just the knowledge. It includes a vision. It includes mission, right? It includes skills. It includes all of these things, but starting with a vision first, and allowing that space to be open to all the possibilities for a time and observe is going to be huge. And being able to figure out how you want to structure the um, the culture and the the government, sort of, so to speak, um, to use kind of a tainted word, right? Uh, the the system of order that is in your home, and and you are the right parent for your child. You are. one who knows your child best and if there are other mentors or people that you're going to want to bring in to help your children in certain areas you'll be able to find them and to work with them and create whatever it is that you need as you need it. Uh, I think we're going into a future where this idea of taking charge of our own education and our children's own education and our place in society is only growing and we're going to see that continue to expand and have more and more uh, community support for living this you know, lifestyle. I, I saw some articles recently, I can't remember the numbers, but uh, homeschooling has gone up dramatically. And um, that's only going to continue to increase. And I hope that not only is like a public school education at home, <laughs> I'm sure that's increasing, but I hope that the, championing of true education of true um honoring people in their wholeness including our children right because they're people they're not objects and seeing them for their total will and desires and and honoring them um, in their wholeness will be part of the kind of education that we desire to promote in our in our homes and in our communities. That's going to be key um, going forward Um, in in a world that is seeking ever more to control and and to separate us from our wholeness um, as individuals, as people. Do you have Um, any final thoughts, Nancy?
1: Yeah, sorry to be so in and out here. We have some exciting stuff going on at our house with excavation and things like that so um yeah just want to finish a thought that i had two two thoughts first one is the the more um focused you are on continuing to grow yourself the easier it is to be confident that your kids will grow because you'll be watching the process firsthand um and not be worried about some something that's outside of your control yes you can help your children grow and you can invite them to the deliciousness of growth and education, but since you can't make it happen, it's probably better to just work on you—the things that you can control. Um, and then, you know, so you know, and Rachel Demille talks about this from Thomas Jefferson Education. She's like, "What what math classic have you read? What what art classic have you read? What science classic have you read?" And that the more you engage with something out of joy and delight for learning that thing or desire, a need, you see a need that you you need to know more about this so that you can be more effective or understand it or make better choices or whatever. Um, like it's infectious <laughs> in a really good way. It's catching. Your My kids have their own little plans. My, my daughter just brought me a big list of like specific goals that she wants to work on for 30 days. And she made this big long like chart to track that she's working on those specific goals. And I just think that's really exciting. I didn't tell her to do that. I didn't make her do that. Um, she wanted to, and she wants to work on those things. And I think that's really beautiful. And that things that grow out of good desires just grow more beautifully. Um, and also one of my one of my friends and fellow homeschoolers and inspiring mentor friends, she says she talks, she quickly shuts down, you know, homeschool naysayers. Um, oh, because their concern is, oh, well, how will your kids ever learn anything unless you are constantly teaching them stuff on, and uh, keeping them up to date with every you know, requirement from the common core or the public schools. you know? And she says, think about, she's asked them, what are a few things that you really know well? And where did you learn those? Did you learn those at school? And she says, that question right there stops people in their tracks because they realize that they spent years and probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in the attempt or facade or practice or, you know, pretending of learning when the things that they really do know well are things that they got because they wanted, and maybe they got it partly through their schooling. Sure. That's totally possible. I learned better how to, you know, where to put a comma in a sentence because of schooling and because oh, yeah, like you're way better
0: it- at that than I am. <laughs> I, well, I throw commas around like confetti.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I love commas and you know, I studied editing because I wanted to, and it makes anyway, the commas are the good manners and the the semicolons, and like, they all have their little personas to me. And so that's something that I know. Well, yes, I did learn that at school, but also because I care about it, but there's lots of other things I didn't learn at school. I learned photography. I learned, uh, about herbs and homeopathy, or at least dabbled in in these things to the point like, but not because I took a class or because somebody made me or because there was a reward attached. The reward was the fruit of the thing that I wanted to know. So that's, that's what liberty education is. It's, it's free to being free to learn free from arbitrary restraints and restrictions and manipulative practices in yes. education. That's what I want my children to be free of. I want them to be free of manipulation. And that's a task. It is much easier to say, here's the reward if you do this thing than it is to say, hey, look how delicious this is. Do you want to come and eat some with me?
0: Right. So. It's, it's so fabulous to see your kids step into that the joy of whatever it is that they want to create and to be able to support them with a beautiful loving environment that's focused on your, your overarching family vision and, and really in tune with each child's mission too. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for the good
0: conversation. Sorry. I was in and out. (laughs) That's all good. Have a fantastic day. And we look forward to our next discussion on Liberty's live. Bye. Bye. we hope you enjoyed this episode of liberties live join us next week for a fresh and relevant discussion on how to live whole and be free